0: Diet starts tomorrow with host Aileen Drexler. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram. Just doing my workout, Tuesday's arms and back. But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. From people who understand the struggle. I am on the third day of my cleanse diet. Hello and
1: welcome to Diet Stars Tomorrow. I'm your host, Aileen, and I am very, very excited about today's episode, today's guest. Victoria Garrick is joining us today for this episode of DST. She's been on the show before, but it was a really long time ago. She's a mental health advocate, host of The Real Pod podcast, former D1 volleyball athlete, and just like one of my favorite accounts to follow on Instagram. Welcome back to the show, Victoria.
2: Thank you so much. And thanks for having me back. I know it was really a long time ago, but it was so much fun. And I'm so happy to be back. It's always fun when you get like one interview or like appearance with someone out of the way. And then the next time you can come back, you can like really just jump into the nitty gritty. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, though that
1: said, that was like December, 2020. (laughs)
2: I know why that was like, set. honestly, though, but I still think of 2020 as like yesterday. Like yeah. 2021 didn't really happen in my mind. So I still I refer to last year being 2020.
1: Right. I had, I struggled just like before I saw it I was like 2020, December time. was like, is that two years ago? Was that half a year ago? Like how <laughs> long ago was that? I literally had to like do math. It's really going to gonna figure be weird it out we hit 2023 and
2: 2024 because... I will still be thinking. Don't get me started
1: on 2023. That number is odd. Like it's going to be so confusing.
2: (laughs) I completely agree.
1: So that said, we talked a lot about your story. You know why you started Real Pod at that time. We have a lot of new listeners now on DST. So would you be able to give kind of a just a reminder a refresher of what you post about your you know your personal brand and all your content and just like kind of where where you are today from where you started
2: of course here is the spark notes mm-hmm. um i went to usc i played volleyball there i was an athlete my whole life i had a somewhat difficult time adjusting to the demands of the division 1 lifestyle it was a lot of pressure and a very stressful environment. And that's when I first started experiencing anxiety and depression. And I had had body image issues pretty much my whole life. But you know, I didn't really realize it until the mixture of everything in college kind of led me to develop some really unhealthy binge eating um, and restriction habits. And then in college, I also – so like the, my first years, underclassmen years was like in the trenches and then my upperclassman years were like coming out of that and kind of gaining the awareness to th- to recognize what I had been through and like why I, f- I had felt so shamed and to like learn about intuitive eating and develop a better relationship with food. And so on that healing journey, which we need to find a different word for healing journey because I, know, I, I like cringe up when I say that because I don't know. It my just, I don't know. It just sounds so like <laughs> – high up, like, I don't know, but on my road to just get, get better in all forms, anxiety, depression, um, eating disorder life. I started kind of sharing my story. The first one, the first way was through a Ted talk, which that always is lifts eyes because it's like the first time you decided to share anything was a Ted talk. How did you get that? How that happened? Yeah, honestly, it was fate. Um, But if you want to figure that out, you can just Google my YouTube. I put a YouTube video up about it. We'll save you the time here. And then I started posting about it on Instagram. I started a YouTube channel and then I sort of just naturally developed a voice online. And now I kind of post about, yes, mental health, but sort of, I would say the main crux of my content is just realness and like not filtering things whether that's the actual image or what you're saying just being very straightforward um and then the very last thing I'll say before I stop my spark notes is I was doing this back in 2017 so the current trend of realness wasn't happening it wasn't a trend it was very uncool when I did it so to anyone listening being like this is an influencer who's like my brand is realness It really is. And I will go to the grave with that. And you can check it out and see it's different than what everyone's kind of starting to do because it's now the popular thing.
1: (laughs) You don't have to tell me about that,
2: (laughs) about realness
1: as a brand, because that's sort of also what Betches has been doing since...
2: 2011. Yes, it's so true. And I used to scroll. I yeah. told you guys this last time. I used to scroll through vetches in class because I loved the memes and I thought it was so relatable.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, we do it like primarily through humor. But yeah, so congratulations, though. You've garnered like a really large following, especially since we last spoke and also you got engaged congratulations thank you i actually went on Betcha's bride's yeah. podcast
2: so that was so fun
1: sammy and i when we were talking about wedding stuff all the time that was a big thing um body image was a big topic because like quote unquote shedding for the wedding is like a really hot topic um, and whether or not one should or should not or wants to do that. And my wedding diet specifically was coming out of that was the thing that forced me into intuitive eating and learning about
2: it. So how are you feeling about that? Well, I actually released a podcast episode called Why I'm Not Shutting for the Wedding. I, from the get-go, took like a very polar opposite stance that i think like bridal culture wants you to um you know there is this i was almost going to say unspoken but it's not unspoken it's spoken there's a spoken understanding that you should be like quote unquote look your best for your wedding and for 98 percent of people still they associate best with smallest and so you know i think when i first was engaged and was thinking about wedding dress shopping and all of those things, I was entering it in a really good place with my body and my relationship with food. So that felt great because I knew that I wasn't necessarily fragile. Um, And I'm super grateful for like the past, I think it is like four, almost five years now that I've been really honing in on how I... Talk to myself about food, my relationship with food, um, how I feel about my own body. So I kind of had the confidence and the strength to like withstand a comment from a bridal consultant or a dress not fitting me, or you know whatnot. So that was definitely helpful. I will acknowledge you know, the privilege I have in my body that I'm not experiencing probably the pressure from people in my life to alter my body the way that I think someone else might in a more marginalized body. So that's obviously a huge difference. But lastly, I would just say like, I come back to the fact that my fiance, Max wants to marry me the way that I am. And how ironic would it be to accept this beautiful you know ask to spend my life with him and then spend the year up until we make that sacrifice completely changing myself. Yeah. Um it just like doesn't track. So that's, you know, in a nutshell how I've been sort of having those conversations with myself. And I've really been trying to stray from the wedding being about how I look and focus on what it really is about, which is the commitment we're making to each other.
1: That's great. That seems very healthy. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. I know. It's boring.
2: <laughs> it's healthy. It's boring. I know.
1: No, it's not boring. I'm saying it's it's healthy. Congrats for having that like mindset. I wish, I you know, looking back, I wish I had that same type of mindset because I know I've said this many times, like, I often like would tell my friends how stressed out about I I am about wedding planning and so stressful and they're like oh like what do you have left to plan I'm like nothing and they're, they're like why are you so stressed I'm like I don't know I just feel stressed and then I like reflected I was like oh because I am stressed about losing weight it was just like primarily that and like imagining myself from like every angle so I just I, kudos to you for going into it with such commitment to not going that route.
2: Thanks. Yeah. It's definitely helpful. And it's been something that I'm grateful for. And it sounds easy when we talk about it right here, but in theory, it's been a lot of hard work and ups and downs on my own relationship with myself since I was 19, 20 years old. And I really, and I'm 25 now. So, um, you know, it's taken time and I'm grateful that I was able like the timeline of my life has worked out in that way. But mm-hmm. my heart goes out and I feel for anyone who's, you know, in the process of getting ready for a big event like a graduation or a wedding or anything like that and is also trying to heal their own traumas and disorders because gosh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot of time and energy to get yourself right. And I think everyone wants to have this quick fix of like, oh, if I go to therapy once or if I read the self-help book, I won't be anxious anymore. I won't be depressed anymore. I won't struggle with food anymore. And it's like, no, these things take buckling up, doing things you don't want to do them, putting the work in, crying, lots of energy and effort. And so that, along with everything that a wedding pulls from you, gosh, it's a lot.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. That's why like they call it a healing journey because it's really it's really that your thoughts are never just like healed like you're never just 100% healed it's really when you when you feel like you're on your way out of whatever you were in it feels like the majority of your thoughts are in the way that you you're trying to heal them where they whereas there are still sometimes those creeping thoughts those old thoughts coming back and like it's just it takes a lot of time to make the quote-unquote good ones, the majority.
3: It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Small's. Small's cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens, and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages, and you scoop it, and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties, and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh, protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce.
0: That's n u u l y.com, newly with two u's with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Do you feel like
1: sometimes like old habits or old feelings like creeping up on you because of this like wedding pressure or really anything else?
2: Of course, you know, that's a part of The process. And when people have this expectation that I'll never think negatively about my body or I'll never want to know what the calories are, like they imagine that when they quote on, you know, people use this word recover, recovery. Mm -hmm. I don't like that word because I think it, I think the words recovery and relapse sound really definitive to me. And I think that when we're trying to heal our mental health, there is no goal. Like you're going to get a place and check a box and never experience any of those Mm -hmm. symptoms again. It's more so how do you live in alignment with where you want to be? Um, And of course, sometimes we won't feel as aligned. That's part of being human, right? So yeah, of course I have moments or times where, you know, not everything isn't perfect. I mean, last weekend I was at a dinner in this tight black dress and it was like the kind of dress that was skin tight, but also kind of loose. And so when I sat at the table, I just felt the way that this dress like gripped underneath my muffin top, then like into the rolls above it and then like closed it out on like my (laughs) under boob. And I just was sitting there like feeling this, this, my stomach fat just be like, essentially like sculpted in this dress. And I was uncomfortable, you know, for um like a momentarily there. I was like, oh my gosh, my stomach, like, you know, I have that thought creep in of it wasn't even like I had a negative thought, more so the awareness of like, oh my gosh, look at your stomach right now. Yeah. And I literally at the table, like to myself, because I'm a freaking weirdo and I prioritize <laughs> this shit. I'm sitting there quietly, like, okay, it's okay to have stomach fat. It's okay to have a belly. It's okay to sit and be with this your stomach in this way. Like and explore why do I feel this desire to adjust the way I'm sitting and, and suck it in. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, just, and really remind myself, it's okay to sit in this. It's okay to embrace this. Like, this is your stomach. This is a part of your body and like your body is beautiful. And so, you know, that's an example of, um, a time that came up recently and kind of how I worked through it.
1: I love that. That's a great example. You know what I also I love those videos you just posted with Ella. Those are really funny and they uh they positively affected me like in real time. Like you had a video about like, what if we just said really nice things to ourselves in a mirror? That was very funny too. Like the delivery was really on point. I, I laughed. I rewatched <laughs> yeah. it. And there was something where I think it was that one where you were saying, like, oh, I have my period and I'm going to be bloated. That just like is what it is. And right. so, like, I was also on that section of my cycle. And I felt, right. and I was going out and I was wearing high-waisted jeans and I felt very bloated. And I was like, Why the fuck? To what? To what? Does my body need to be smaller? Like, I'm on my, like, I have my period. I'm going to be bloated. That humans are bloated. The end. And then I just walked out and it was very liberating. And I have you to thank for it. So thank you so much.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. That is so great. Thank you for sharing that with me. We kind of call it this like alternate reality where girls love their insecurities. And Mm -hmm. it's so, it was fun for us and ironic to kind of joke about like, the the expectations that we have for our bodies that are so impossible. You know, like um, when Ella was saying, um, you know, are we supposed to eat food and then our stomach goes in? Like I'm confused. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, wait, uh we have to eat, you know, multiple times a day to uh live. And when you eat, things expand. Like that is the human anatomy. So it's just funny to talk it through and realize how ridiculous it is to put these yeah. other expectations on ourselves.
1: I agree. I thought it was great. When you were brainstorming those videos, was there anything else that came up that made you think like, "Wow, I can't believe I didn't think of this before. This is a ridiculous thought
2: that we have." You know, I. On that note, I'll. I, I guess I'll just bring up like saggy boobs. I feel like people don't talk about this enough, and I've had some like recent like realizations around this. I I don't know why I feel insecure that my boobs are saggy and I don't know if they actually are, or it's like (laughs) dysmorphic when I look in the mirror, Mm -hmm. you know, also I used to have bigger boobs and then I went off birth control. So they've shrunk. And so I think there's an element of that, but you know, something in the video was like, first of all, there's like gravity, there's aging, like your boobs are going to change. And also I was talking to someone else. I don't want to like insult maybe if this is how someone else's body looks, However, if we are looking like scientifically at aging and gravity and how our bodies change, your boobs will get smaller and hang lower because that's a part of aging. So when we see plastic surgery and when we see in movies and Photoshop, these like perfect, voluptuous, really high perky boobs,
3: it's Mm -hmm. just
2: not natural from the standpoint of like how our ancestors looked when they were like 40s, right? So. I've been really trying to step into like my boobs are beautiful and natural and like this is how they are and I don't have to constantly be grabbing my hands and like pulling them up.
1: Right. No, I mean saggy boobs especially after you have a child. <laughs> the boobs definitely hang lower because they were filled with milk and then they got smaller. So it is it's definitely I like I like that message though. It's one of those things that you kind of like embrace later, I feel like because when you realize sort of that they have a function besides what they sort of look like that's what yeah. i found in my experience that it's almost like y- you're you're a lot more thankful for or grateful for them like you care a little bit less that said there's a lot of talk in like momland about like quote mommy makeovers which i really don't like that phrase it's this like uh you know, zipping up and tucking in of all the parts that sort of went left and right after having kids. But yeah, I like that. I mean, the whole push-up bra thing is, I always like baffled me. Why do I want my boobs next to my chin?
2: Like, I don't like feel like that's comfy. It's (laughs) very like the Bridgerton look, you know, to have them up like that. Yeah.
1: But it's like, it's sexual. It's, it's like, or sensual. It's like for being sort of sexy, which is fine, but it's just like, depends what you're doing it for, you know?
2: Totally. And I, the motherhood and body image struggle, you know, obviously it's something I don't know. I don't have kids, but I think about like what that journey will be like for me and how it will affect me. And like, as much as, an outsider looking in can say but you created life and like how wonderful is that yeah you know I don't know what it's like to sit in a body that feels like it's not yours you know
1: Mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's crazy but it's all good you have no choice but to go through it so it's like you go through it Well, you're very unique in that you were an athlete, and I'm assuming do you still play volleyball? Is that part of your life?
2: Not really. There's not a whole lot of ways to keep playing at like a very high level unless you play professionally. And professionally for women, a lot of the times then in volleyball is overseas, which sucks, right? That's why we need to really? like do better for women's sports. But no, you know, I played like a beach pickup game last week, which was fun. But, you know, honestly, I don't play volleyball anymore. It's sad and I miss it.
1: I was going to ask, do you miss it? Do you miss the thrill? Do you miss being good at it? Like, what is it that you miss?
2: I think I miss being completely present. And it's very hard to be present nowadays in life. There's always something to check on your phone. There's someone to talk to. I struggle to sit on my own balcony and alone and not be like, oh, I should go inside and check something or get something done or clean this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And when I was playing volleyball, I just felt present. Like I, my phone's in my my water bottle bag or it's in the locker room. I'm upstairs. I have like two or three hours where I'm working on the mind-body connection and like it just was such a great challenge and it was so cathartic and I, it's hard to find that presence now. And so that's what I miss the most. Mm-hmm. I
1: agree with you in terms of like playing any sport because there's like the game element and it's like fun. It's not just that, you know, you're active, but like you're doing something like enjoy Well, at least I love to compete. So it's really fun to be there and just move your body in a way that like, is not just random exercise. It's like you're you're doing it towards a goal for whether a team or you're solo, and that part of it, I I mean, like I'm I'm speaking as if like I'm an athlete, but not really. I just like you know, it's it's just really fun. Like I love tennis. Yeah, I'm so excited for that to be like I can do that now.
2: It, it's nice to try to get good at something and to push yourself. And yes, totally getting your heart rate up and sweating and not having this mindset of like. I'm forcing myself to work out so my body looks a certain way. It's more Mm -hmm. so I want to have fun and my body moving is a part of having fun.
1: Have you found a different outlet for yourself that like kind of gives you those same things, those same feelings?
2: Not really. And I've been trying to look into ways I can get more involved in like athletics. Max and I have started Pickleball. I know that's the new thing everyone's doing. So It was really fun. We played on Mother's Day against my parents, and we're going to go again with our couple friends uh, this coming Sunday. So that's been fun. Um, And I would love to, like, I think I have this pipe dream of, like, you know, organizing an indoor, like, pickup volleyball league with, like, a bunch of the girls around here who used to play at UCLA or USC and, like, are also feeling like me. They want to play. So who knows? (laughs) But I need to work on it.
1: That sounds fun. Like also pickleball is great. I remember um, they were just like building courts in the community that my in-laws live in out east, and it's like this new sport. It was in twenty summer of twenty twenty, and I was like, I'm I love tennis, so like I'm like I must play this. It's it must be the same. It is not the same, <laughs> but it is so much fun because it doesn't require that much skill to get the wiffle ball, whatever it is, the pickleball over the net.
2: Totally. It's definitely, it's like if ping pong and tennis had a baby, it's like when they breed like great Danes and like poodles, you know?
1: Yeah. I was playing with my, um, father-in-law who's like almost 70 and he was just like yelling at me, like, like Carol, get the ball. (laughs) (laughs) It was real. It's just so fun. And I agree that like, even if it's not like a sports game, like I love card games, any type of games that you can enjoy with your friends is a way to really be present and time goes by you're sort of in flow and i feel like that's actually underrated really good for your mental health
2: totally and also being outside i love being outside and i never i i have to find time to get outside because of work these days so yeah. playing a sport and having my workout be outside is a double you know it's like great double mm-hmm.
1: so you started like a nonprofit right for like athletes can you tell me about that cuz I mean, you're tw- you're 25, and <laughs> I really want to hear about that.
2: <laughs> yes, definitely. So, um, my TED Talk was titled "The Hidden Opponent," and it was about student athlete mental health. And when I graduated college, I went straight into the public speaking circuit. So, I was giving talks at various colleges and universities and high schools, and everywhere I'd go, I'd interact with other athletes who were saying, you know, either I relate to this and, um, I, I want to be a part of the change. How do I help? Or I love what you're doing, Victoria. How do I share my story? How do I create change like that? You know, I want to, you know, do whatever it is, whether it's on social media or just awareness. And so that is where my initial ideas for the hidden opponent nonprofit came from was how do I create a community where, you know, you can, I can pass the torch and also like cast a wide net and you not unite all of these student athletes who feel the same way. So that was sort of the main intention behind it being founded originally. And, you know, now it totally serves that purpose. You know, we share student athlete stories almost every single day and articles, whether it's athletes who struggle with depression, anxiety, addiction, you know, divorced parents, uh, dealing with a pressure, a suicidal ideation, you know, whatever it is, we want to cover athletes from a wide range of backgrounds and stories to really shed light on the various issues and obstacles that these students are are facing. And we also aim to, you know, advocate for and educate these athletes. So access to mental health, resources and care is not, you know, the same for everyone, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So we try to provide free programming, whether it's with top performance psychologists who will come in to lead webinars, nutritionists, um, Olympians will come back to just give advice, programming and, um, tools for these student athletes to take with them if they aren't getting them necessarily, you know, in their communities. So it's amazing. It's wonderful. I have an incredible group of amazing humans who are all four more student athletes who either volunteer or work for The Hidden Opponent and really do keep it running and keep it successful. So um, it's def- it definitely could not be where it is now without all of them. And yeah, we're just so grateful for, for the community it's created. It's been something that none of us expected, but it's so special.
1: No, oh, that's awesome. Congratulations you're definitely providing like a resource that didn't exist, especially for young students. I saw an interview where you were talking about just how like comparing mental health versus like a physical injury, right? And it's, that's the idea. It's the hidden injury and like that really mental health is, is still kind of a stigma, at least within the like athlete community. Why do you, first of all, why do you think that is? And you know, how can we make it a little bit less of a stigma?
2: Well, there's a stigma surrounding mental health in general, which will be the first thing I describe to then explain, you know, the unique stigma in sports culture. But historically, we viewed mental health as a society as weakness or as someone is, you know, crazy or they've gone off the deep end. And so it's always been viewed as, you know, something that is not uh, wanted on the person's resume or to be associated with, right. It means there's something wrong and most people don't want something to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And then when you take athletes who are also known as society to be the stronger humans, the ones who do, you know, impossible things and they overcome these insane feats and they're strong, right. Also, I think strength is a big thing we think about. We think about athletes are the greatest athletes in the world. So then when you take those humans, especially, and you also couple them with the stigma that mental health is a weakness, um, the strong people, especially don't want that weakness and look, um, quick pause. There is a unique stigma for a variety of different groups. Um, you know, so this is not me communicating that it is harder for athletes to deal with mental health. Um, not at all. This is just me being an athlete. And so that's my experience and it's easier for me to grasp this work within a specific community than trying to do it for the entire world. I think a lot of times people really get sidetracked with like, Oh, if I want to be better at this, it's got to be like every single person. It's like, Hey, we'll start small. Like what community are you a part of? Or can you impact? And so for me, Mm -hmm. it was student athletes. And, um, so student athletes, especially, I think have this pressure to, you know, want to be captains, want to be leaders. You want to be a starter on your team. And so you don't want to be the one that's in therapy if someone else isn't in therapy, because then the coach is going to think that there's something wrong with you and you can't handle the pressure. And then this person can. So, you know, that is sort of an example of the way that the stigma could like manifest itself. But at the end of the day, you know, athletes don't want to appear weak and society views mental health as weakness. And so that really will shy athletes away from owning what they're going through.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you wish like when you were going through it, like That someone provide offered you like did something different, like your coach or a teacher or anything.
2: I had so much support um, on the other side of seeking help at USC. Um, I always joke that they like rolled out the red carpet for me um, in terms of resources, and I was so grateful to be at a top tier Division One Power Five school that like had access to those things. You know, I think what I try to push now is the idea that we should make this known for student athletes up front. So not waiting until they fall into their trenches and then they seek help. But can we start this conversation now when everyone is good to go? And so that they know that if they start feeling, you know, unwell or um, stressed or whatever it might be that they're like, oh, this is a totally normal thing to feel. Let me go ask someone about this as opposed to thinking, oh, why am I feeling this way? And No one warned me about this. And does this mean like I'm the only one that can't handle it and everyone else can?
1: Right. Like prevention and just protection before um, something gets worse. No, that's great. How are you working on your mental health today as you advocate it? Do you feel like you're Podcast helps? Do you think sometimes you put more pressure on yourself to be, quote, well?
2: That's such a great question. You know, I actually think it's the opposite. I think I feel, for the most part, very happy and I'm in a great place. And I feel like because I do a lot of advocacy work, people almost. Expect me to be some sort of unwell. So when I am happy for long periods of time, I become self conscious that Mm -hmm. I am happy. And people who are here want to relate to someone who isn't, or is anxious, or is struggling with food. And so I think for me, one of my big shifts I've had to make over the past year is. Just the evolution of my content, you know? Yes, that's how I started. And that was true at the time. Um, and it's always a part of my story, but I am happier now. Um, I love the work that I do. I'm not as stressed as I was as a D1 athlete. I have this wonderful fiance. Like I'm planning a wedding. Like I'm very happy. And it's also not um sustainable for me to have to tap into this depressed mindset i used to have to create a piece of content in today mm-hmm. and that was really causing me a lot of um problems and it was hard for me and so i've really stepped into kind of who i am now and i've had to incorporate things like my outfits and my relationship and you know find a way to create content that feels like fresh for me now like even the videos with ella like That's fun, and that's something that I experience now, right? Like, like anyone looking in the mirror and disliking something. But how can you twist it, as opposed to what used to be a video I'd feel like I had to make of what my binge eating was like, which is dark and upsetting, and it—I don't want to think about it every day. And it's—I knew it wasn't going to be something I could keep doing for the rest of my life and maintain good mental health. So. You know, to answer your question, no, I don't feel that pressure you described, but I feel the pressure of, am I too happy now? And I've had to really accept, like, yeah, yeah, I am happy. I'm allowed to be, and like all humans, our lives take, our lives continue to grow and evolve. And if that doesn't mean, if that means somebody doesn't want to follow me anymore, that's okay. And I hope that in that season of life that they needed me, I could have been helpful.
1: That's a great outlook. What do you attribute to being? so happy now? How do you feel like you got there?
2: I'm like everyone else in the sense that I, you know, when I say I'm happy now, I guess I mean, I, I'm not like clinically depressed right now. You're not not, not, uh, unhappy. (laughs) Right. Like I'm not on antidepressants anymore, you know, but I'm definitely not like always super happy. Like nothing gets me down, but I would just say, I think environment is huge. And if I were to just give one tip or you know spark one thought in whoever's listening, it's environment. And when I think back on when I wasn't my best self, environment plays a huge role. The people you're with, the things you're doing with your everyday life. I mean, like I showed up and had to do things physically with my body for three hours, like pushing these limits. And I didn't want to be there. I mean, that day after day is going to wear you down. So the people you surround yourself with, the things you do, like whatever part of that you can control, I encourage you to take control of it and build it it and create it in a way that does bring you joy and is conducive to the person you want to be.
1: That's great. We both said like it's it's really up and down. It's never just like you're, oh, you're happy and you've made it. Like there's obviously days where it kind of isn't – kind of you feel like shit. So since you kind of shared your mental process when you are going through like a a very small but important moment like you're sitting there at the wedding. Are there certain things that you do, like specific things that could be helpful to somebody listening that get you through that day? Like you wake up and you're like, this is not me at my peak. What am I going to do next?
2: Yes. So I think it can be hard to be in a moment like, you know, I'm at a restaurant with people and I'm having these feelings like to go through this certain framework or pull out your phone and and journal or go to the bathroom and meditate. Like those things can be hard. So I would just emphasize two words. You know, the first is compassion. So just in any of these moments, everyone listening, you know, compassion. So, okay, I know why this is happening. Like I've struggled with this for a while. This makes sense. Or I live in a world that's told me, you know, something and I I understand where this is coming from. So have that compassion instead of, I can't believe I'm thinking this way. I've been listening to diet starts tomorrow. I've been listening to real Like I've been doing all my work. Why am I like happy with myself? Just compassion. I get it. I get it. The shit's hard. The second thing is just kindness. Um, You know, if your friend called you and said, Oh my God, I'm sitting at dinner right now. And you know, this is how I'm feeling. You wouldn't be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're doing that. Like you said, you wouldn't like, you'd be like, it's okay. Like you're beautiful. You know, you'd be kind to them. So I think when you speak to yourself and you try to navigate the situation, kindness. And so I think if you have compassion, you have kindness. I think those two things kind of dosed or lathered on whatever is the framework that helps you will really go a long way.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. From my personal experience, like what helps me is reminding myself that like feeling like shit is part of the human experience. Yeah. We're not expected to be like skipping through the fields every single day. Like there's going to be off days, there's going to be off moments, really off days, really off moments. It's like the same way you're saying your environment really matters. Like your environment's not static. Like right. there are people, things, notifications, things that happen day to day. So like you're not expected to be just even keeled positive all the time. So like just accepting that that is just part of our human existence and experience, that helps me kind of get through like some rocky moments, thoughts or days, whatever.
2: I love that. And I love hearing what works for other people because you Mm -hmm. never know like what little part can you can incorporate into your own little routine.
1: Definitely. Because everybody thinks so differently and everybody's motivated by such different things that um, right. it's awesome to hear. Lots of <laughs> different experiences. So if anybody's listening and wants to submit what works for them, send it to DST at batch.com or at Diet star Tomorrow. Or post it and tag us. I'm at and Victoria is at Victoria Garrick. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. I have one more question and we're doing DST confessions. So I'm really excited. So this is a confession I want from you. What's like a habit or ritual that you do that's weird? Like behind closed doors, you don't want anyone to see. Like not your serial killer trait, but like kind of your serial killer trait. <laughs> like what's a weird thing that you do? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Okay, wait, give me like a minute to think about this. I can this. give you examples of weird stuff. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Weird stuff. Like, okay, you can't go to the bathroom without like a squatty potty. Like you only watch TV at like a vo- certain volume or – like, things need to be a cert- arranged a certain way for you to do X, right. Y, Z. Like, right. you, you won't eat unless your fork is to your right. It could be like OCD traits. I guess
2: I would say, like, I don't know if this is, like, a weird thing that I do, but I am in denial about the fact that I am not a that girl. You know, on that oh, that's a trending on TikTok. Like, be that girl. Like, your place yeah. is clean. You do all these things. I'm like, I will not accept the fact that that's not me. And so I continue to do things that I know I won't do. Like, I have all these post-it notes on my desk of like <laughs> random to do things. And I, I never do them. And then after like a few months, I see them sitting there and I don't even want to read them and remember what it is. So I just scrunch them up and throw them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I We had a whole episode about how that girl toxic is, is not, is like a toxic thing, like toxic oh, really? quote unquote. No one is this like goddess of juice and, you know, post-it notes <laughs> and, and like, fucking like bullet journaling every three seconds, you know? So you throw out your post-it note, you
2: write all your like perfect to-dos and then- I just like write notes (laughs) and then I- after like months go by and I realize I'm like, whatever was on there hasn't been done and my life seems fine. So before I even look at it and get stressed, I'm just going to throw it away. <laughs> that's,
1: that's kind of motivating. I love that. Like I've had things on my to-do list forever, but they're on my phone. And I'm just like, I don't want to delete them, but I know it's been like four months. <laughs> so it's like, I'm definitely not going to do them. So should I just set them free? So I love that you physically throw them out. That must be yeah. very cathartic.
2: <laughs> Literally. And I, before even reading them,
1: I love it. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. Thanks for joining me on this episode of DST. And guys, listen to this Thursday's DST because Victoria is joining me again to answer all of your dear DST. She's going to share her DST win. And we're just going to have a basically another fun episode. So go do that. Where can people follow you? Where can they
2: find you? Oh my gosh, we're so excited for that episode. Uh, they can follow me on Instagram at Victoria Garrick and listen to my podcast called Real Pod, um, which I had you and Sammy on um also a year ago. So they yeah. can check that out.
1: I think we recorded it the same week. I also like found out I was pregnant like around that time. It was Aww. a very
2: whirlwind
1: time. <laughs> yeah, everyone go listen to Real Pod and follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow go check out shop etches, go get our DST crew. It's the best sweatshirt you will literally ever wear. It says through thick and thin on the sleeve and it says DST. And there's a really cute little doodle of a French fries, which makes me hungry all the time, every time I wear it. So check that out and follow me at Aileen, leave us a review.
2: And we're always with you through thick and thin.
0: Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Stacey Wong, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacy Wong. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com. Betches.